Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. This is the podcast where we're exploring the digital revolution and all the crazy implications it's having on our world, our professional lives, our personal lives, and that tiny little space that sits in between them, if it's still there at all. And we're delighted to have today the CIO and VP of IT from Smith College, Samantha Earp, as our guest. Samantha, great, great to have you. Love being here. Great. Samantha and I are both at the Workday Rising event in Orlando, and Workday for uh, almost since its inception has been quite strong in the higher education market. So, Samantha, tell me a little bit about what's going on. I mean, every business, every industry has been through a lot of upheaval, the role of CIO, the role of IT. What's going on at Smith with you and your team? Well, there's a lot going on, and we're in the middle of a massive transformation of our IT systems. I'm just starting my seventh year at the college, and I came to the college to really do this big lift of all of our systems. And the thing that brought me to this was not the technology. Maybe that's not cool to say at a technology <laughs> conference, but what really brought me was the context for technology, because you have people, you have culture, you have technology, and the ways everybody works together. And I knew that needed to be improved, and that's what really excites me about this work. Well, each of those is enough of a challenge on its own about having to change it. How did you do that? So I started with two things. I started by saying what I was afraid of, and I start, and I, then I said what I thought we could do to move forward together. And you asked me about me and my team. My team is really everybody at Smith. Uh -huh. I'm a member of that team. They're my partners. And if I just go in my corner with my IT team and you know say, we're going to do this all by ourselves, we're not yeah. going to succeed. So really um, working and not just saying that, but actually demonstrating that in our actions that people could see that we really approach them as a team. Yeah. Well, Samantha, I think it's great to hear you say that because I think whether it is the organization sort of tilting in a certain direction that made IT folks feel like, you know, you're off on a, a separate island, you're in your own silo. It, it was always, I think, a bad way to look at stuff, right? Because then, you know, later on at some meeting, you say, why don't those people trust us? Why don't they invite us to their things? Like, well, you know, too often, I think IT teams, either because of the leadership they had or the organizational cultural ones, they were seen as almost like a, a group apart. So yeah. how has that benefited what you're doing at Smith, seeing like the whole community is Absolutely. your team? Well, I mean, it's kind of obvious thing to say, but we're all in this together. And so when there's a problem and, and you know, we've made a lot of improvements, so our problems are getting more interesting. Let's do that. <laughs> we're solving some of the lower level ones that we should. And then we, and, and that, actually that's an intentional outcome. You want to get past the sort of low level things you should do well, and then really grapple with the things that are kind of messy uh -huh. and then involve a lot of people. But um, one thing that I'm proud of is that when I first got to Smith and I asked everybody in my team, you know, there's the classic CIO interview, you know, you, you sit down with everybody. I asked each of them what they thought we should be doing that we weren't. Every single person had a good idea, but there wasn't really this sense of agency or how to make those things happen. So what we did was you know, put a lot of things together, the things the institution needed, things different departments needed, and the things that the IT team saw and made a plan on mm -hmm. what we were gonna work on. Mm -hmm. So here we are, we're still working on those plans, but we've made a lot of progress. So I loved how you phrased that. You said, you know, you took care of some of the low hanging fruits. So the problems are getting to be more interesting. Yeah. Could you talk about what some of those are? Absolutely. So um, <laughs> students register for classes. It's our reason for being. We want that to go well. That really matters to all everybody, not just to IT folks, that students have a good experience. But typically every 
time that we would have registration, we would all sort of, you know, be very tense. Is that server going to fall over? Are students going to get mad? Are parents going to write us? Fortunately, we haven't had that for a couple of years now. And so from there, you know, that's really very simple. That's just, you know, getting in the door. From there, we can go to conversations about how do we best advise students? How do we get them into the right, you know, pathways for them? And, and by we, it's not me. I'm using the royal we. Our yeah. faculty, our professional staff who work with students, how do they have those conversations? That's really what we should be doing to support education, not writing, not me on behalf of IT, writing the emails to apologize for the servers falling over <laughs> under load when all the freshmen or all the sophomores try to register. Yeah. yeah. So Samantha, uh, I get the sense from just having known you a few minutes, but it seems like you like the interesting problems. Right? I love the interesting <laughs> problems and I have great partners. Yeah. And I think that's really the key to this is um, both from a leadership perspective and then in the language we use. I'm a language person by training. Okay. Um, there's a, an invitation to be part of the discussion to hear what people are thinking and to get feedback along the way once we make a decision. And um, our problems are certainly remaining pretty interesting, but again, not sort of hiding over in our corner, but sharing what we're thinking about and what we've tried and what we haven't and making sure it isn't just our perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, I thought that was interesting what you said a moment ago too about being a language person. And I think from knowing lots of CIOs over the years, there's no, you know, straight line career paths. But how did a language person get to be a chief information officer and VP of IT? So um, my undergraduate major is French. My graduate degree is in French linguistics. But I went to an undergraduate college where everyone worked, and I worked in the computer center. Okay. So when I got to grad school, I had the opportunity to work on software development. Still thought I was going to be a faculty member one day. But then this interesting field started opening up of technology and learning. And so I got in early on in the 90s in some of those jobs and just kind of went on from there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Remember uh, one of uh, a CIO who was uh, at Charles Schwab in its go-go days. She had majored in music and I think also had a master's degree in music. And I said, is, is that a, you know, an unusual bit of training? to become a CIO. And she said, oh no, it's the perfect training. It's perfect training. Also a musician. IT work is ensemble work. Uh -huh. And so you have your own area of expertise, but you still have to listen to everyone around you. And you have to think about the people who are listening to what we're doing together. What's that like for them? Are we accomplishing, you know, if you, you publicize a concert of one genre, is that what you're doing successfully, right? Yeah. It's really ensemble work. Yeah. Um, well, the ensemble side of it too. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Miles Davis and, you know, the different uh, battles he had with various musicians, right? Each in his own right would have been a world-class spectacular musician, but he would say, you know, this isn't a solo gig here, right? right? We're a team. Let's right. work together. And I think that from a management perspective, um, knowing what kind of music you're playing or what kind of sport you're playing, is it a solo activity? Is it a team activity? Like I played tennis in college. It's both, right? Uh -huh. You do your own thing and then you're part of the team. And so, if you're not aligned on what genre you're in or what yeah. sport you're in, it's no surprise that things are not going to go as well as you might think. Yeah. In spite of the improv factor, that's not <laughs> right. really what we want. <laughs> um, Samantha, you talked a few minutes ago about culture. Could you, what's the culture that you want your team to have first? And I know your team extends yeah. out to the whole sure. university community, but right. and so what is that culture that you want it to be and how do you get there? Sure. 
So um, partnership, obviously, I've talked about that a lot. Just people feel like they're heard, that they're understood, that they can go to us and we're going to listen and not just say, oh, here they come again, right? Mm -hmm. um, but sort of a couple levels down, there are two really important things and it's part of trust. We have to be able to say what we see yeah. and we say that with trust and, and we assume good intent. So one of the things we worked on, you know, when I first arrived at Smith was constructive disagreement. Uh -huh. um, we had some challenges that involved multiple teams and we were kind of doing this and we had to be able to talk about what we saw and sort of, there's a creative friction there, right? right? And we didn't really solve a particular set of challenges we had at the time until we got past that. Mm -hmm. And so that's not easy, right? but it's essential, especially if you're getting to the more interesting problems. Yeah. Right? If you, the little problems, you may not have to do that, but to the interesting problems, you have to do that. <laughs> yeah. What, it's a little bit like, um, I guess one of the big challenges Workday is trying to, to get after here is this, you know, in, in big companies and universities, uh, getting to a single instance of truth, That's right. right? Because otherwise you've got lots of truth, but they're all different. They don't match. Mm -hmm. And if people aren't willing to be able to say what they see, That's then right. nobody really knows, well, what are we saying? Right. What should we see? What are we trying to see? That's kind of the holy grail um, in terms of the daily experience, but it's certainly been one of our big goals in adopting Workday. And, and our story is not unique where we had a certain number of enterprise systems that were the official systems and some probably frightening number of side systems and shadow <laughs> systems, probably some of which I still don't know about that people were using to do things. They might copy data or they might have their whole process run over here and nobody would be aware of that. So that's been a huge part of our culture in terms of the, what does the work look like when we implement a new system? What are we gonna clean up? What are we going to do that's different yeah. moving forward? So single source of truth is is a big phrase in our work and anybody who works with data. Yeah, um, you know, I uh, I remember there's um, one, I think it was a C, I might've been a chief technology officer. We worked in a big uh, mercantile exchange in the Midwest. I'm not gonna name it, but it's in Chicago. Uh, but he said they had a certain flaw in one of their systems, but he said, I don't fix it because I like to call in you know, one of our sort of rapid response teams and they go in and they patch it temporarily and they're seen as heroes. And I said, I said, I think it's important for them to be seen as heroes. So that's why I am not fixing this problem permanently. I tried to, you know, uh, well, I wasn't sure how to answer that, but it, it seemed like, uh, you know, some sort of theoretical nice way to do it, but what a way to run a, a team. That's fascinating. Um... There's always a tension between effort and outcomes. Yeah. And it's human. We we want to be acknowledged when we work really hard. We've just come through this and come through. We're still, you know, going through the pandemic, but in the worst of the pandemic, just extraordinary effort, certainly from IT and everybody. And you want to recognize that. And it's important to recognize that. And you know, what happens as a result of that effort? Do you keep fixing the same problem over and over? Yeah. Or do you kind of figure out a way to move past that? And yeah get on to the next set. Um, that, that's a hard thing to think about, but I think you have to leave both together. Yeah. Samantha, there's a couple other things I wanted to ask you about, and then I want to be sure that any particular points you want to bring up sure. that come to the table. One is, um, I'd love to know what it is that uh, Workday has helped you with. Absolutely. And then the second one, and maybe it's related to that somehow, uh, 
whether it's in higher ed or different industries, CIOs have been battling for some time to be seen as not some sort of quirky asterisk CXO over on the side, but right. rather full-fledged part, just like everybody else, but having right. have a certain uh, area of, of expertise. How do those, well, first, what's work, what are you doing with Workday and has sure. work with Workday helped you to be seen by your peers as a mainstream CXO? Absolutely. So I told you, you know, when I came to Smith a long time ago, I, well, six years ago, I knew we were going to have to make a lot of changes. And one of those changes was bringing in a new modern um, set of enterprise systems. Yeah. And so we went through a process, adopted Workday. We started that work in summer of 2018. And that's allowed us to confront um, in a structured way the source of truth thing that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But it's also helped us do something really important culturally, which is um, what do we need to do that's really special and unique to us? Mm -hmm. And what can we take from Workday, which has so much R&D go into it, so much input from across industries that will be really strong for us? It'll feel different. Right. So that was one of our core principles going in is that unless there's a key strategic advantage, we're going to use what Workday has in the system. And sure, we're going to participate in, you know, product design groups and, and all the ways of giving input. But just because we did it a certain way before, we're not going to try to perpetuate that. Mm -hmm. And so starting with the human resources and payroll and then finance, um, we went through that pandemic hit right as we were starting the student. But we managed to keep our momentum and um, not pause. I'm really proud of that because that took a lot of extraordinary work from people. But that means that we're doing the second thing that's really important, which is really focusing on the user experience. We didn't really have a key way of understanding. We, we all probably knew individually, but sort of putting a picture together about what's it like to be a student? What's it like to have to get up at 6.30 or seven in the morning for your time slot? And then the server keels over, you know, all that kind of stuff. That, that's worst case scenario, but it's it's anchored in truth and yeah. experience, right? Yeah. So um, this is part of a larger sort of emphasis on the shared experiences of different members of the community, you know, students, um, staff, administrators, parents. You mentioned um, all of all of us. You know, it's an us, right? Rather yeah. than just we're here and we're managing this, and we don't really understand that. So we spent a lot of time thinking about the user experience. And um, we have a center for teaching and learning on campus that has a phrase I love to borrow. They say, all teaching, there are many ways to teach well, and all teaching is improvable. There are many ways to do IT, and all IT is improvable too. So we, we just, inspired by that, um, we just keep iterating and trying to make things better. Uh -huh. so. And so was that effort, like some of the things you've done with Workday across HR and finance and all, and this ability to get at the data that everybody's eager to right. see now, has that helped um, you be perceived along with many other things I'm sure you've done as just as, as a mainstream CXO? I think to a great degree, um, you know, I'm obviously instrumental, but not solo in making this happen. My very first meeting with my peers in the president's cabinet when I arrived in this job, I said, I could do everything right with technology and still fail. Yeah. I need all of you. Yeah. And all of you has changed. There's There's been turnover just uh -huh. as there has everywhere. But I think I and my team are seen as partners in a much stronger way. And partnership isn't just delivering utilities. Partnership is being in conversations, it's bringing people together 
it's calibrating. Is this a big problem or a small problem? You know, will this help a large group of people? Will this solve something that's been bothering us for three years? Yeah. Or that kind of thing. So I think that has been, um, that has helped me be positioned as a strategic partner. Okay. Okay. I that, that made me think of a buddy I had in college. He was a mechanical engineer and he said his father is a his grandfather's a mechanical engineer. And he said, I've inherited what he called the engineer's dilemma, which is you spend two hours turning a 10 minute job into a five minute job. So uh, that, <laughs> that pursuit of some sort of perfection. But it sounds like you've worked way around that Smith. What else would you like uh, like us to know about what you're doing at Smith and, and your own aspirations about how you want uh, the work you do to be perceived? We're at an educational institution. That's why we're there. And I think as we improve all these sort of systems that are woven into the experience of being at a learning institution, um, we also are um, in discussions about how technology is part of society. And so, you know, as student, I, I would like to see a time where we engage students in thinking about how we improve things, thinking about how does technology inform what they learn? How does technology um, and the, the skills that they have matter in public policy, in healthcare, you know, in the arts, all these things. So by showing that we're partners in sort of the operations of the college, people gain trust in us, and then we can also facilitate and support some of those other discussions as well. Well, I, I spent the uh, weekend with my two-year-old granddaughter, and uh, well, it's hard to think that uh, technology would be anything but, you know, an essential, indispensable part of her life. And, you know, so imagine for people who are 10, 12, 15, a completely different mindset about themselves, technology, and what they're going to become in the future, which Absolutely. is... My, my son is a high school senior, and he could use a mouse before he could walk. <laughs> Job hazard of having parents in IT, I suppose, or, or um, family hazard. But... Um, just the assumptions that younger people who are privileged to have that experience have and then just you know we talk about this when cios get together the general consumer market expectations of how friendly uh, technology is how easy it is to use how long it takes to do a task yeah that was very far away from the experience that many students had in educational it until very recently uh -huh. And understandably, they're like, why is this different? Why do I have to wait all this time? Why is it so clunky? I, I, I won't say we've solved all that, but the ease of use that you see out in the wider world increasingly, we really have to, to get better at that. Yeah. Uh, last thing about that, Samantha, I think it was a, a year ago, I, I had an opportunity to speak with uh, Workday's co-founder and co-CEO and Neil Busry. Oh. And a year ago, he was really getting on the notion of the... Uh, UX. Yeah. He said, you know, that he said we, we can't afford anymore to, to say, well, it's you know, it's passable, it's okay. He said in business, he said it's going to be indistinguishable from what people experience in their personal lives. Absolutely. And they're not going to accept something that is it's like, well, that's how it is. They're, they're not going to deal with we it. We hear that all the time from students to you know, people like you and me who in our lives outside of the work context already see this. Yeah. Like, why does this take so long? Why do I need to do this? Or this is clunky. Everybody's a designer these days. And I actually think that's fun, yeah. even though it sometimes makes my life and my team's life a little more difficult. But that's a different kind of conversation. We would have never been able to have that conversation five or 10 years ago. Right. And so companies like Workday that are really 
putting that emphasis on the user experience. So I think that's marvelous. Fantastic. Samantha, any final thoughts you want to leave our audience with? I'm just very glad to be here. And especially it's at an event like this where we have so many great thinkers and people who are really focused on um, moving experience forward. So thank you. Well, thank you, Samantha. This is uh We've had a great conversation here with Samantha Earp, who is the CIO and VP of IT at Smith College. Samantha, thanks so much. Uh, it was a pleasure to meet you and, and have this chat. Thank you very much. All right, folks, thanks to all of you for being with us at Cloud Wars Live. Hope things are going great for you. We'll see you next time.